All right, social media family. Thank you once again for joining us for another installment of the A Better Way to Pray series. No, we are on lesson 16 tonight. Lesson 16, which is entitled, Speak to Your Mountain. Speak to Your Mountain. Now, looking at the outline, this is it's going to overlap some from what we talked about last night. Not last night, but last week in reference to the fig tree. But before we jump back into that text, I want, I want us to start with a question because we've been talking about prayer and the title of the series in and of itself is A Better Way to Pray. So obviously, with that type of title, we know that there are different types of prayer and some of the some of the traditions and the things that we picked up when we first started our walk with the Lord are things that aren't that helpful. Right. Now, I want to start with kind of a question that's maybe a little off tangent. Right. Now, we should all know the answer to this question, but I want us to kind of think about it. Okay. Is prayer a burden or a blessing? Is prayer a burden or a blessing? Now, don't give me the religious answer. <laughs> the religious answer is I'm like, oh, absolutely not, Brother Smith. It is a blessing. Yeah. Right? Now, that should be the correct answer. But are there times where it does feel like a burden? Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. It's supposed to be a blessing, but yeah. it doesn't always feel like that today. It's a blessing, but it can be a burden. Depending on the way you're looking at it. Yeah, the way you're looking at it. Yeah, how it's being taught to right. do and, and related to or whatever. Okay. All right. Now, I use that word burden for a reason, too. Right. Because have we heard the terminology, the phrase, I had a burden to pray for XYZ person? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Right. Now, is this a positive or negative? It's a positive. Okay. Okay. Positive. How so? Yeah, I mean, it's where you take it as God put something on your heart to pray about. Yeah, so, it's, you know, if you feel like he's put that there for something that's you feel needs to be changed or needs to be addressed, so... You feel like, okay, I need to pray about this because, you know, I feel like I need to be dealt with in the spirit realm, I guess. Okay. Anybody else? I've been there, and I think I think as long as we don't step in and try to do Jesus' job, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, we're burdened to the point, like, oh, my God, you know, like, like I've got to carry them. But I think, like, like you're saying, like, you know, as long as they're... Mm-hmm. In the right heart, like we're not trying to say like stress about it, you know, like when you you'll know, you know, that it's not that it's it's a peaceful like I just gotta pray for this person. Yeah, I know, so, like I know, like when I was a teenager, I just remember one time. It's only happened once or twice to me, but like I was seventeen or eighteen, had a friend of mine in youth group, and she had like rebelled and had a lot of hurt and stuff. And anyways, I felt to stay up to pray for her. Like I'm a late person, anyways, homeschool. But like anyway. 
<laughs> I had my set schedule. I felt to pray for like five or six in the morning. And all I did was pray, but I didn't feel stress. I just felt like I would just pray. I had her picture. I would just put my hands on her picture. I read scriptures. I did everything, but I just, yeah, I knew it wasn't like, oh, it was more. I got to pray for this girl, you know? <laughs> Um, this might be similar. Um, you know, if somebody asks for prayer and um, it's not the appropriate time to pray, like 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 I'm unable to pray right then, and then so okay, I'll pray for them later, and, and then another inappropriate time comes up, and I think of it, and I'm like, oh no, I didn't pray for so and so. And I got to do that. Then forget it again. And then another inappropriate time comes up and I think of it. I think then it becomes like a burden where I kind of put the burden on myself because I'm like kind of ticked off at myself because I kept forgetting and I had it. And that person um, showed, they opened themselves up to me and said, you know, pray for me, especially for his if it's for a particular thing, then they, they're they putting their trust in my relationship with the Lord and in my prayer life that, you know, I got a prayer, you know, we're not prayer warriors saying, I got a prayer warrior or they include me on their prayer warrior team and I didn't, and I didn't come through. And then, maybe even the third time, I hear some news about that person. And if it's related to what they asked me to pray for, and I still haven't, oh man, then I'm really dumping on myself, and I'm really ticked off on myself because I still haven't prayed for them yet. And then that adds to, you know, that that burden stuff. I would say, um, <laughs> as far as burden, I think it can be a burden if the prayer becomes um, ritualistic. Um, and I say that to mean, uh, you know, you say your prayers again at a certain time or whatever. And if you don't, or you fall asleep, or you forget, you know, and you have this ritual of, okay, I'm going to pray this time in the morning, this time in the afternoon, this time in the evening, and it doesn't happen, I think one can start beating themselves up for that. Or... Yeah, so that, that, that's how I feel like it could be a burden. And I did that when I was growing up, yeah. So your prayers, and it was several prayers that I prayed. And this is when I was a little girl, and I kind of took it into adulthood a little bit. And then I would feel bad if I didn't get to all the prayers, or sometimes they would rush through because, like, I got to get through these prayers, you know. So I think that way it can become a burden. Yeah. All right. So this is good. Okay. Okay. <coughs> because we got the different perspectives on this. Mm-hmm. Right? We got the the practical side that says, you know, like like Kevin was saying, if there's a prompting to pray for somebody and we miss it mm-hmm. and we kind of, you know, we forget, then we get prompted again and we forget. Practically, you can kind of be, okay, well, what's going on with this? Well, I keep forgetting, right? But in the broader picture, when we talk about 
what prayer is, it is truly a blessing. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, why so? Number one, we have the opportunity to communicate with our Creator, number one. Right. Number two, He has given us the ability to have an impact on the things that happen on this earth. We have been given the privilege and responsibility. So in that sense, it is a blessing that can be turned into a burden if we, as Stacy was saying, turn it into a ritual. Right. Yeah. If we look at it as a, you know, if it becomes a work in our life instead of something that we do as a part of our relationship. Yeah, if we miss it or whatever, and then it makes us feel bad. Like if we, you know, like you said, you know, it's like, you know, like, oh my gosh, I didn't pray this morning. And it's like, you feel condemned and that's not good versus, oh, you know, I didn't get to, dang, you know, God, we'll wake it up, you know, tonight, you know, that kind of thing. Now, here's a question. In reference to that, if we're prompted to do something and we, we don't do it, Alright. Now, should we feel that? Is that a natural that's a natural response, right? Mm -hmm. right. <laughs> we can feel bad without feeling Excuse condemned. Me. It's a you know, like a convicted feeling. There you go. Like I, I swear and I, I till this day, like in the past couple of years of my life, I've experienced that like where God will correct me over something, but it feels good. I don't even know how to explain it. It's like the mm -hmm. most peaceful, gentle, like urge, you know, like hey, mm -hmm. you know. That kind of thing. Yeah, you said something important. You made the, the distinction between conviction and condemnation. Yeah, condemnation. Yeah, that's what we get mixed up all the time, I know. Because right. conviction is, oh, okay, yeah, I missed it. But there's no challenge to the relationship. There's no, no, you know, it's not some type of a, a feeling as to, okay, yeah, since you, you failed or you missed it here, then you're done. Yeah, next time I'm lucky I can't trust you. Yeah, there's no, you know, there's no... A little breach. Like you no, lost some points or something. Yeah. Right. yeah, it's like a breach. You miss right. grounding points or that something. conviction is, is prompting you to say, okay, yeah, you you know, you missed it here. Yeah. You missed it here. You need to make an adjustment with this. But there's always this hope there of... Of, and there, there's no there's no sense of breach in a relationship versus condemnation, which is the opposite. Where you feel okay now since I missed it, I'm no longer my standing with the Lord is in jeopardy now. I'm not you know I'm not as righteous as I used to be now. Right? Yeah. yeah. Because you don't you're not. Because that that sense of belonging and that sense of oneness with the Lord is 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 being challenged. Where the conviction is focused on the missed action, the behavior, instead of your identity, instead of your standing. Right? It's it's a big difference. It's just like when uh, you know you discipline a, a child. Right, it's one thing to correct a behavior, 
but it's something else to demean and to challenge the identity of a child. Now, if I can use that, you can look at identity, really. <coughs> you attack the identity, then it's, it's going to really affect the behavior to the point, like you said, they don't want to be in your presence. Right. I'm be scared. Right. Yeah. I, I failed but again. Deal with the behavior. I failed you. Yeah. But know that, in a sense, that they know that you still love them. And like you said, their relationship is still intact. They just know, okay, I just, I just don't need to be doing this anymore. Or I need to correct this versus, yeah. So, but that's, I think that's huge. That is right. That's good. And true, I think when you know God with the relationship and stuff. He'll deal, like, if you do something wrong or out of line, he'll deal with why versus, you know, like the Holy Spirit, you know, he's not going to you did blah, 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 why'd you do this? Well, like, God deals with the root issues, you know, that what hurt was caused or what's going on in your life to cause you to do whatever. So then that'll be dealt with, you know. I think that's, like I said, I think that's what you said, because a lot of times when we, when people miss it, miss the mark, we we attack both the behavior and the identity. Yeah. <clears throat> we say because you did this, then this is who you are. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. And so when you attach the behavior yes. with the identity, now, like you said, now I'm mess with the relationship. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so versus just just deal with the behavior. So okay, you still and I think I'm like I said I, I didn't hear this coming up because it was like okay. Even after you guys say whatever you did, religion. That's who you are. Yeah. Yep. You know, and we say this. Yeah. You sin. What are you? A sinner. Yep. And so, and a lot of preaching. You sin. You sin. We talked about that. A mom and I were talking about an example on the way here. We were talking about how, um, like sexual purity, for instance, was taught in church for many years. It was a lot of good, like you know thoughts behind it, I believe, and I went through a lot of it in my youth group, some of the teaching, but we had talked about, I go, I've said this many times, probably here too, many of my peers, and I know some would listen, would probably feel that way, it's like, everybody did exactly what we were told not to do, and I go, I feel like one of the things, like just, you know, root issue here was, you know, we were taught what was to do good, but we weren't taught why, it was like, it was only the consequences if you did bad, it wasn't like, there wasn't a, there wasn't an alternative. There wasn't like, yeah, relationship. Like, God's got a great mate for you. And it was a little bit of that. But in, in mind that I did, we did through love weights growing up in it. It had a lot of good points, but it was, oh, you're going to disease. Oh, we're going to have a child out of wedlock. Oh, you're going to be in this pain. You're going to be this. It's like, well, what am I going to get if I, if I do choose the right one and choose for marriage and all this? And it was, well, uh, what happens if I make a mistake? Yeah, exactly. It's like you're, there was you no alternatives. Like there was, you just spiraled out of control. It's like, well, you're not supposed to. That's what we're teaching you this. And many, this and is I, your my point with this. Up is, to yeah, that. My point to align with this is, you know, many did a lot of stuff and they got judged for it. I've been around it. I saw it. And I go, I really believe instead of like asking the person like, hey, what went wrong? And I really believe a lot of them would have answered like, you know. They weren't, you know, they were taught, you know, or told, and it wasn't right. them, you know, that kind of thing. <coughs> now, let's go to Matthew 11. Matthew 11. I'm sorry. 28 it's, and 30. No. Okay. It's 
something you can't do. This is a good one. <laughs> what was that again? I'm sorry. Matthew 11. Matthew 28-30. Thank you. Yep. Sorry, I heard you about it. Here you go. All right, I'm going to read this in the Amplified. <clears throat> says, this is Jesus speaking. He says, Come to me all who are weary and heavily burdened by religious rituals that provide no peace. And I will give you rest, refreshing your souls with salvation. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Following me as my disciple. For I am gentle and humble at heart, and you will find rest, renewal, blessed, quiet for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and my burden is light. And see, and I, I wanted us to kind of look at this scripture because it talks about, you know, how the relationship with the Lord is is us getting rid of, rid of their weight of religious ritual, the weight of works righteousness, and entering into the interactional, relational <coughs> type of communion with him. And that's and when I when we have that as our foundation, then we can have a prayer life that is vulnerable, intimate, faith-filled, dynamic, whatever good adjective you want to use. We can have a prayer life that is truly a dialogue. Because in that space, we can experience the Lord in all of his different attributes. Because think about the different manifestations of the ways that the Lord is, is, is portrayed. He is our Father, Jesus, our Savior, our King, our brother, our kinsman, Redeemer, a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Yeah. All of that. We get to experience him in all of in, in these different ways when we are in a place where we know our identity is secure in him. But if I don't rest in that, if I don't have confidence in my righteousness, the gift that he's given me, then I'm a vacillate up and down. And we then we, we we continue to be the you know the dead horse so to speak when we talk about works righteousness, right? But it's so you know it's, it's that's what religion is. It's work. I had God show me something, and I think you know shown a few of us this, but I was speaking life over myself, speaking the word, and that's a way of praying, I guess you could say, you know, and kind of related to this and. I felt one time God showed me, it's like, when you do that, you're not doing anything. 
you're just reminding yourself of what's already done. So he tried to bring it off the works thing, you know, because I start, you know, you get a, we all get an original of the things like, I am the righteousness of God and Jesus. I am healed. I am free. Blah, blah, blah. And of course, we're supposed to say that stuff, but it was like, hey, remember though, do it. You know, it's good to do, but just remember you're not making anything happen. I already did it. You're just reminding yourself what I already did, you know. And when we talk about confession, I'm going I'm to go back to one of the, um, one of the illustrations we used in the, in the study last night when we were talking about faith versus unbelief. Like when you, uh, when we confess the word, we confess the promises of God. We're not making things happen when we do that. Yeah. <clears throat> Literally what we're doing is we're agreeing with what the Lord has already declared himself. Yeah. So I'm just confessing what he has already said. So if he says by by his stripes, I'm healed, and I confess that, I'm just testifying my agreement to his will. Right? When I talk about how good he is, I give him praise. All I'm doing is confessing the, the reality of his goodness. All I'm doing is declaring what is already true. I'm coming in. I'm, I am. I am aligning myself. I'm in agreement with him. And what this is doing in on the inside of us in our hearts is it's it's like miracle world for the soul of the soil of your heart. You're tending to the ground. You're putting that weed killer in there. Because the, the pressures of this life, our own past failures, the condemnations of others, the negative circumstances around us, the bad news we hear, all these things are circumstances, natural realities that want to contaminate our faith, that want to put weeds in our, our spiritual garden to choke out the word, to keep it from bearing fruit, to get, to get us to a place of discouragement, to get us to a place where doubt is overcoming the reality of the word. So all my confession is doing, I'm just, it's just getting the picture of you pulling up weeds intending that ground. But maybe we gotta find a balance in that because I know even when we look at the title and I know when you first when you first hear that, speak to the mountain. Mm -hmm. Okay. And when I hear that I'm saying, okay. I gotta speak to that thing. Now, you know, from a human body what what happened when we speak something we expect to see results instantly <clears throat> now that that's possible but when we don't I don't know let me I guess I use now because <coughs> like you know how <coughs> you speak to your kids mm -hmm. okay when you speak to your kids you expect immediate mm -hmm. 
Okay. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's, what, that's what you want to see. Right. But now, the, the reality a lot of the times... Is you don't. Right? Mm-hmm. So, what do you do? You speak to it again. Okay. And so, you know, of course, we know if you don't have the second time, then there could be some repercussions. <laughs> but I'm saying that that's the, I guess that's the mentality that we have. You speaking because you said your your confession is not making things happen. It's already done. You just get in agreement with it. But I guess we have that picture. Okay, if I speak to something, I expect to see results right in and there. Things happen, things turn it over. Bam. And so, you know, and maybe that's the the mindset that we have versus in this case, you know, we talked about last week, you spoke in victory. Okay, it took a time. It took a while for to see the manifestation of it. Mm-hmm. And so we, we got to understand that every time we speak something and we don't see the results, then it doesn't mean, like I said, it doesn't happen. But I think, like since we have that picture of, okay, if I speak to something, boom, I'm supposed to see something happen. Instantly. Right. Because right. that just goes back. Go ahead. Right. Um, you know, I was thinking the, and this probably kind of goes along with that confession because the example that I used about, you know, you know, the times I remember, you know, praying and I forget and pray, you know, and like, oh, I got to pray for, you know, and I didn't, and I didn't, you know, <clears throat> the God, God, one time God brought to my remembrance, um, Peter prays in an unknown tongue, his spirit prays and his understandings are fruitful. And when it did, you know, of course, you know, it was a, a confession, you know, someone, because it came to my mind, I was like, yeah, he prayed. So it was a confession, and immediately, because I was beating up on myself at the time, it's like my soul received it, and I started, and it made me feel bad. So, like you were saying, Jesus, it was like I came into agreement with it, and the fact that I was feeling better, and it made me feel better, that was that like agreement, and that was like kind of like it, it coming to pass because, you know, I was, you know, <clears throat> praying in unknown tongues, you know, you know, as I got time, you know, in the car or whatever, you know, time, and, you know, off and on, off and on, you know, pretty consistently. But I didn't think of, you know, that particular person in that particular prayer, what they asked me for. And then another time, um, you know, like I said, it was like, you know, inappropriate time, you know, to pray. You know, even when I thought of it, like, well, this is the second time or third time, it was like inappropriate time. When I say inappropriate time, I mean, you know, you know, I'm at work and, you know, having a discussion with two employees and we're talking about details on particular issues, you know, or, you know, I'm sitting, you know, in a meeting and, 
listen to my supervisor and, and I think of my mind's kind of wandering and then I think, oh, you know, and so I would just kind of throw something out then, and, you know, because I'm like, I didn't, you know, and then I would like throw something out then mm-hmm. in my conscience or in my mind, you know, and I'm thinking like, man, that ain't worth two cents, you know what I mean? I need to like set aside, you know, really pray for this person because they put faith in our prayers for to God, to our God, you know. But then that scripture when um, the lady, when she prayed within herself, she said, if I may but only touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. Mm-hmm. That came to my mind too. So although I originally thought like this little two cent prayer ain't doing nothing, it is doing something. And so I came into agreement again with scripture, with that instance where the lady just said within herself, she ain't say, you know what I mean? She just said it within herself, she touches the image of God, she'd be holy. So anyway, once again, it made me feel bad. It was scripture, it was the word, and you know, it kind of went right along with everything working together for good for me. But I, I just, for me, and I know this is recently, you gotta be careful not to put more faith in your confessing versus faith in what he's already done. And I, I had to find that balance there. Yeah. You know I mean, because mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that's true. Because they tell you, we you know you don't want you want to be obedient, confess, you know, the world, speak to the mountain, this and that, and you do that, and then and you get caught up on. You get caught up on results. Yeah, yeah. Same results, same results. But I had to learn. Okay, now I gotta have more. I gotta have more faith in that his work. That his this is the finished work versus my confessing. Because when you get more, when you start getting full confidence in your confessing, now it becomes a work, as you said. It becomes a work. And now you know I'm like speaking, speaking, speaking. Mm thinking that my confessing, of course, you know, when you get real religious, you get loud with it, you know, thinking that that's going to make a difference. And so, but you have to be focused on, okay, once, like in, in, in the story, once Jesus said it, <coughs> he didn't go back and speak to the teacher again. Okay, he said it, should not eat from this tree anymore. He spoke the word. He was done with it. Okay. He didn't go back and say, hey, now I'm not saying you may not have to confess again, but it can't be like, okay, I'm trying to make something happen. Right. It has to be confident and say, okay, this is a done deal. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it's a whole lot different for me to say, Lord, I thank you that that mountain is moved. I give you praise because that mountain is moved. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between that and me. Say, Lord, please move that mountain. Mountain, I'll speak to you. Go tomorrow. Mountain, I'll speak to you again. Go later on that day. Mountain, I'll speak to you again. Go. Mm-hmm. Now, me saying that, now again, I, 
you know, it on the outside looking in, we don't know what the conviction of a person's heart is. Yeah. Just based on the verbiage they use. But in that example, if I am continuing to confess the same thing, it's questionable whether or not I believe what I said the first time. <clears throat> because I'm saying it the exact same way. And like you said, an example with the fig tree, Jesus said what he said, and he kept it moving. Now let me say this. Is it there's a difference when because I know and this this may be the answer. Maybe if you get a word from God that says, and this is okay, say this scripture every day. Maybe eight times. Mm -hmm. And that if the Holy Spirit leads you to do that, that's right. different from just doing things on my own. Right. And it's like you said, confessing, confessing. Versus the Holy Spirit says, okay, this is what I want you to do. Right. Eight times a day I want you to speak this scripture. Right. Because any anytime you're 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 walking obedience to a prompting of the Holy Spirit, then you are operating faith. Right. Bottom line. And see, and that, that just goes back to the whole relational thing. Mm -hmm. Because Lord, the Lord knows what you need. And he knows what you gonna what we're gonna come up against. What type of challenges that we're gonna face. So me, him prompting me to confess eight times, there's some things that need to happen in my my confessing. He knows what it is. It's not a matter of me confessing to make it happen. It's something to do with my own heart and the atmosphere around me. That's what it is. Let's go to Mark 11, 22. And we're going to look at 23 and 24. No, actually, I'm going to start. I'm going to start verse 29. All right, this is the disciples. It says, as they were passing by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots up. Being reminded, Peter said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you have cursed has withered. And Jesus answered, saying to them, have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that what he is he says is going to happen it will be granted him therefore i say to you all things for which you pray and ask believe you have received them and they will be granted I mean, it, it is so simple and so profound at the same time. And I think we can kind of get lost in trying to decipher why X, Y, Z didn't happen. Trying to explain why certain man, certain things didn't manifest a certain way instead of just taking it for what it is. And it goes back to what he told us about Having childlike faith, being as a child, you didn't have to get it. You know, you you tell a kid something, and they just take it for what it is. 
Yeah. You ain't got to give them a dissertation and, and, and cliff notes on why certain certain things are going to manifest at a certain time. You ain't got to do all that. And I think, and, and see, and what, what, what ministers, preachers, teachers, what has messed us up is us trying to give explanation, give all this type of backstory and explanation for why certain manifestations didn't happen. Because the reality is, I, I don't know. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah. No. Yeah, I think that's... Um, I don't know if you felt this. As ministers, we supposed to have all the answers. answers. Yeah. Oh, Yo, you a preacher. I mean, people come to me sometimes. <laughs> you a preacher. Know? Brother Eric, you a real yeah. man of God. You a man of God. You supposed to know. Sometimes I tell people, I don't know. They look at me strange like, you don't know. You should owe everything. That's what I yeah, love. Yeah, and that's the thing about it. And my dad told me, he says, okay, he told me when I preached my initial sermon, he said, now, you just started. He said, but people, even though you just started last week, they expect you to know. They think you know everything. Everything. Yeah. And I was like, and, and, and you don't. Like you said, <laughs> it's okay to say you don't know. That's what I love, and I think she agree, we love about Andrew Womack, is after all these years, if he doesn't know an answer to something, he knows a lot. But if he doesn't, he will tell you honestly. He'll go, I don't know yet. I'm working on this. I'm trying to figure it out. But I honestly say I don't know. I'm like, but here I'm saying so he's read the Bible yeah. cover, cover, read, read, read. He yeah. goes, there's some things no. I don't know. Yeah. And he admittedly says it. And he's humble to me. That was my mindset. My mindset was I supposed to have all the answers. Yep. Been because there. you're a preacher. And that's the... That is the impression that people will put on you. Like, well, you're supposed to have all the answers to all things, to these questions. And, mm-hmm. and then you don't have the answer, then something's wrong with you. Because maybe you don't know God like you think you do. So. Oh, yeah, there comes a the condemnation. Right. You just must exactly. not know. So yeah. it's like, why don't you know? You know, you know, people ask me strange questions. You know, I remember somebody asked me one time, well, why is there so many planets? I don't know. I don't know. And it's like you pray. You pray for them. They still died. Why? I don't yeah, know. Right. You know? I, that's the question you get all the time. I don't get that question a lot because because people come to you and ask you to pray for stuff, believing that if they come to you, then they're gonna get some results that they're yeah. pleased with. And then when they don't get the results that they're pleased with, yeah. Then once again, we talk about prayer. Okay. Well, what's good prayer good for then? Because if I can't get what I want when I want, wow. When I need it, then what's the point of praying? Because it doesn't work. Yeah. Or if God, you know, I, go ahead. I was going to say, I relate that, you know, and I, that I don't know. It's just like being a parent. Sometimes a kid will throw you a question and you just have to say, I don't know. Right. You know, I, I can pray about it. You pray about it. But I don't have all the answers. And that's why we're praying. You know, right, it's like exactly. you really not. So, um, yeah, I, I just thought about that. 
That's true. Right. You know, in the, the previous passages of the scriptures that you led us to, Julie, is that at Matthew 11, 28, 30, it's like, you know, whether you're a child, whether you're, you know, a mature Christian, whether you're sitting in one of the offices, you know, as a prophet, you know, if you follow them steps, you know, what you read in 2830, you're going to find, you're going to, it's a like a rest that comes upon you and you're going to be okay with how they, you know, how things turn out. You know, it's like, you're going to just, Jesus said, come to me, you will be putting, kind of like putting that, your relationship with him first, like you do as a child, you know, when you're first born again, or as a child with a, with a parent, they put in their relationship very first. And and so it's like Jesus seems to be telling us that. He says, learn, come to me, learn me, I'm gentle, humble, and you will find rest. And so the challenge seemed to be is whether you obey or whether you are an apostle, prophet, pastor, Stay in that same, somehow get in that same area, that same mode that you were in when you first born again and stay there. That's good. Being a child. I mean, a child. Like you, when, when the child just believes everything you say and they trust you. There's no, you know, like you see, you don't have to worry about explaining anything to them. They just believe. Yeah. It's simple. I remember again, I, know I might have mentioned this recently, but to go along with what mom is saying, where God had to show me when I was in a very tender area a couple of years ago, and, you know, I, nothing made sense in my faith and stuff. I mean, you know, faith I had had or whatever. And one of the things God had used to show me was he used an old movie, a Disney movie I'd watched when I was a kid. And it was just, it was one of the, like I said, things that I did was a movie I don't remember seeing the first time it was like literally surpassed any like memory just I was it was always there and God had shown me it's like when you were watching this as a toddler as a little kid and stuff and when you're in that time of your life you had no worries and I go I didn't like everything was good the way God had shown me and I go that's how he wanted me to be with him is didn't have to make anything happen it was just everything's good Life is great, you know? <laughs> like, that's how we're supposed to be, you know? A child. I have a question, I feel like, oh, this may be, you know, it says be a child, you know? Okay, but then there's a part of our says about maturity. So how do you balance that? Well, my, my maturity comes in how childish I can be. <laughs> Amen, right? Because and, and now, 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 now let me elaborate on it because because basically as 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 adults, right, just in the in the natural, right, in the natural perspective, you know, you you have a lot of experiences. There are a lot of things that you see and that you hear that and you gain all this factual knowledge and, and this experience. And you learn how to be a skeptic. You learn how to doubt. You learn how to worry. All of these things are learned behaviors. Now, in the natural, 
the more skeptical I am, the more I know how to scrutinize things. I get esteem for that as being a astute, wise person. In relation to my interaction with the Lord, as simple as I am to just read what he say and believe what he say, that's maturity. But see, what, what happens is you are born again. You don't know a whole bunch of stuff. You just confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that the Lord was crucified for you and he was raised from the dead for the forgiveness of your sins and you receive that as a gift. You don't have all this other extra stuff, all this church religious theology. You don't have all that. It's just belief. Simple belief. But then you learn about the five stages of the anointing and how you have to do these 15 steps in order to experience the second level of prosperity. All this high tech religious stuff, right? How you got you, you know, you're gonna be cursed with a curse if you don't tithe to the set man at, at this particular local church. And if you don't do XYZ, then this is gonna happen. All the religious teaching, all this yeah. stuff that we consider knowledge. All of that stuff is pulling is pulling us away from the childlike faith that he desires for us to walk in. So, I'm going to stand by what I said. You know what popped in my head, too, is Revelation 2, where Jesus, I I looked at, I wasn't sure the verses, but where he was saying, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you've left your first love. Mm -hmm. And then it goes on to say, remember, therefore, where you've fallen, repent and do the first works. And I go, you know, we've heard it talk before, it's like to be, Mature, I get like we said, mature in the kingdom. It seems like, you know, it, it's like, 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 yes, the word. It is. Like, that's the word. In order to be it makes up here, you have to come back here. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's like in order. Isn't it in line with the word saying, though? Yeah. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And he will exalt, he will exalt you in due time. So so the key is is, is to, to bring to be low mm-hmm. in order to be high. And Jesus, but if I put myself up high, what's going to happen? I'm going to get knocked down low. And Jesus rebuked the disciples for like pushing the kids away and he was like if you do not become like, like one, one of them, them yeah. you won't make it you're not going to do what you need to the kingdom I'm like whoa it goes against I mean, what you I said I ask that question because you know we yeah. spend a lot of time and you're supposed to maturity maturity yeah. growing up isn't yeah. that you know grow up in Christ growing growing this and that and so you know you have to take on that mindset of adulthood yeah this and that and then he says but be a little child and you're like okay that so makes you tilt. Too. Yeah, you know. So, but I so but he made okay, yeah. I think it's the way we look at it too. It's like, yeah, of course, we're mature adults, or we're becoming mature adults. But if we are always keeping that perception at like a childlike faith of, oh, God's word says it. Oh, yeah, okay, you know, or this or that, or you know, the, like the scripture. You know, when I was a child, act like a child. When I got you know, grown up, yeah. a child of things, and it's like, but you got to be like a child. Yep. 
But you yeah, need to no. be like a child. I think we so. talked about that in our church one time. It was like, there's a difference between acting like a child and having the fate of a child. And I go, yeah, acting different than that. That's true. You know, just childish. always having a pure heart, you know, and a, a humble heart, you know, and a open to God and what he says. Yeah, so, being yeah. childish versus... Being, yeah, having a yeah, childlike being silly thing. and doing like, silly yeah. things, but actually going, well, his word said I'm healed. Right. Don't you understand? That's just what it is. It's like, my daddy told me so. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> Simplicity can be challenged. Paul speaks to that, and I'm, I'm trying to find it. He uses the phrase that, that when he talks about when it comes to the things of the world, be oh, yeah. be simple, right? Simplistic. Because it, it, it just it, my relationship with evil is, is to be is to be ignorant. To be ignorant of things that are evil, to be ignorant. To be ignorant of evil devices right. and stuff. To be to lack experience with that versus his grace. To be grown up in that. But to be grown up in that really means to do what? To trust right. as a child. Yeah. My daddy says this. Mm-hmm. Right. And I I know it's true. And no one can shake him. Nothing. Yeah. And it's true as you said, you you need help to misunderstand some of this stuff. That's what Andrew says, right? You have to have someone Yeah. Now that's it, you need help because if you if you take it as we're saying it's face value, just read the words and okay, what God says. Yeah. Then you know. Yeah, Andrew will say it's like you we've um it's so simple you'll have you have to have somebody help you misunderstand it and then he'll go, and we've had a lot of help. Right. So let's go to Galatians three. All right. And it's some very familiar passage of scripture. Three from one, let's go from one to five. So this is Paul rebuking the, the church of Galatia, who were under the influence of the Judaizers, right? Those that are trying to mix law and grace. Mm-hmm. All right, the New Living Translation it says, Oh foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Mm-mm, mm-mm. Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It's because you believe the message you heard about Christ. But I was just a man of the day and 
and I paraphrase, but it's weak when we when it comes to prayer. I think we 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 get excited. We 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 want God's power versus the love. We pray for power. Yeah. We 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 even fast and pray for power, won't we? Because I mean, they tell you, power. you know, we want God's power. power like, you know, fast and pray, or we you know they tell you to do different things to want His power. But you, I ain't never heard anybody going to love. But there's that. no depth. It's like I thought that for a long time too. I was like, because I got to a place where I was like, I grew up in miracles. I had God do miracles on me, and I even probably had people order me like I had two heads. Like, why are you turning away from God? He healed you of this, and I'm thinking. God didn't break my heart, but I thought he did at the time, you know, it's like, but God broke my heart, you know, took my dreams away. And then like when God showed me he loved me, and I'm still working on that, but I mean, you know, it was like, wow, God raises people from the dead because he loves them with power because he loves us. And then it was like a substance to it. It wasn't just like, I need power and you raise the dead and you do this. It's wow, God, you love us so much. You just want to show the world you love them. And and wow, I can Pray for somebody to be healed. You know, I got that power because you love them. You know, <laughs> like you said, it's a substance. Yeah, but we, you know, we are fast. You know, breakthrough. You know, yeah, connect the power. We we fast about certain things, but I ain't never heard anybody going to love fast. Yeah, it's yeah. But, but here's what I'm saying is that yeah. the the power flows out of what the love, right? The love when you realize faith works by love. Yeah, right. Everything. So yep. everything flows out of love. So it's really the, the love walk that we have to. Yeah, to really be staying to work on versus once we do that, that, it all makes sense. Yeah, everything else flows out of that love. I mean, yeah, everything you know, you don't have to. I mean, I'm learning because that's what Jesus walked in. So, yeah, where does power come from? His love for mankind, Mm -hmm. his love for us kept him on the cross. Yes, you see, um, scriptures where you see people hurting, what the Bible said. And he had compassion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? And so, therefore, you saw the miracles and the signs and wonders because it flowed out of that love for. Yeah. Unconditional love for yeah. that, you know, people. And, yeah. You know, you didn't have, he didn't have to pray real hard or go on a fast. No, it was just yeah. the love walking in place. So, the power flowed out of that. Mm-hmm. And faith worketh by love. Mm-hmm. Now, We understand that the love that the, that is the foundation of that is his love for us. Right. Yeah. And our revelation of that allows his love for us to motivate the act, the outward actions that we have so we can bear fruit for love for one another. One, but yeah. his 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 love for us is the foundation. Right? Yes. We love him because he first, first loved us, us. Right? Because see the way it was taught years ago. Uh-huh. You know, the you gotta love God. You better make sure you loving God above anything. Yes. So this so the emphasis is on me being me expressing my love for him. And trying to love him more trying and more. Trying to love more. him more and more and more. And it's like, Lord, I, I ain't I ain't got I it. I made a mistake. I ain't I, got I, it. That means I'll start love him anymore. Yeah. I gotta try again. Right. And then you on this hamster wheel of works of once again. And that, that's even more condemning. Because you 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 know if you got that picture in your mind, I'm not loving God enough. Then it's like, oh, how, could how, you can, do I, that? how can how can I how can I do that? How yeah. can I expect anything? Right? How much confidence am I going to have to pray? Mm-hmm. 
It was taught that way for years. It's true yeah, that it was based on our love. Yep. I'm not loving God enough. Yeah, for years I thought that scripture in Romans 8, 28, where Paul said, I am persuaded. Yeah. And things just separate from the love of yeah. God. For years I thought, okay, that was Paul's love for God. No, it was mm. God's love for him. That's why he was fully persuaded. I had God tell me one time over That's something. True. I was going through some things and... You know, and I heard God tell me, it's like, it's like, what's going on, God? And I heard, you're in the process of being convinced. Because some translations will say, instead of persuaded, convinced, I'm like, I knew what he meant. I go, okay, I get it. <laughs> Still showing me how much you love me. Okay, now I found that scripture. It's First Corinthians 14, verse, verse 20. And this is where Paul is, is breaking down the, the, the gifts of the Spirit and talking about the operation of 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 speaking in other tongues and prophecy in a public worship setting. Right. Which chapter again? All right. First Corinthians 14, verse 20. Verses 20, okay. In the New Living Translation, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, don't be childish in your understanding of these things, but be innocent as babies when it comes to evil, but be mature in understanding matters of this kind. In, in the Amplifier, it says, brothers and sisters, do not be children, immature, childlike in your thinking. Be infants in matters of evil, completely innocent and inexperienced, but in your minds be mature adults. So basically, you, you hear Paul talking about he's given the, the delineation, the difference between, okay, my my relationship with the, the things of evil. I am to be as a newborn. Mm -hmm. How much a newborn know? Yeah, I'm not doing evil, you're right. Nothing. Mm -hmm. I, I don't have no experience with it. All right. But the, a mature adult has experience. Mm -hmm. So, you, you know, you, you're getting a different word picture here. But the communication is in relationship to the, to the, to the things of God. Let's be experienced. Let's, 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 let's be in, engrossed in these things. But when it comes to evil, let's be inexperienced. Let's be as, as newborns in reference to that. Yeah, right. that's good. Now, as we always do, getting off on somewhat of a tangent, but it's really not a tangent. Because all this stuff is related to prayer. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because it, at the end of the day, if my, if, when I have that childlike confidence, that's when the prayer can, is, is, is doing something. There's power there. There's power. Because the doubt isn't there. But when, if, if, if the enemy can get us on that hamster wheel of works, though, it, it just, it can't, it contaminates our confidence. And that's what he's after, to get us doubting and in fear. Or to, or to distort our motives 
anything to bring some disruption to our communion, our fellowship with the Lord. I just don't think a lot of people, they don't realize they don't have to win. When you've been taught, they don't realize that they don't have until they exposed to this. Teaching like this, then they realize, okay, yeah, I am on that to it. So, but I just don't think uh, for me myself, I didn't realize I was on it. Me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Didn't it, it, I was it, it, on yeah. So, because you know, when you taught, like it's a religion, most of your life. You think it's right and it's what you're supposed to do, so right. it doesn't seem like yeah, it now. And you know, I, I was talking some relationship, but it was a mixture. But, yeah. You know, you, you have to wean yourself off of that. Yeah. It says, okay, and I'm learning, okay, relationship is the key. And like he says, the more you develop the relationship with him, then, okay, prayer life becomes more exciting. It becomes more effective. Um, and then you, you know, you learn how to rest. You learn how to rest in what he's already done. Yeah. And so my prayer is, okay, I'm praying, but. At the same time, I'm in a position to rest. Yeah. Knowing that it's, it's already taken care of. It's already done. Yeah. You know, um, I was uh, initially taught, you know, with spiritual things. Um, under the ministry, I was in when I really began to grow. Personal relationship was mentioned a lot. And I really took that personally, and I, I thank God for that. It seems, it's almost like, it's like a parent with a child. You know, each child, you have a different relationship with each child, and they can't, like if every time one of your children came to you, they brought them all with them, you know, or they all came together and then they said, you know, I want to talk. I got to ask you something. And then all your children are there every time they came. Where their relationship couldn't get <clears throat> was so close. Whereas the other ones, they just came to you themselves and then they talk. Then you would just be one-on-one with them. And you would build a better relationship with them. But do that mean that you don't all get together as a family sometimes? Of course you do. But it's like you got to go... You got to do one-on-one with the Father and one-on-one with the Son and one-on-one with the the Holy Spirit. And then, you know, you hang out with the family too. But if you don't do the one-on-one, it's like, it seems to create other voices will be able to speak and you just not hear the single voice. I'm I'm trying to come up with a scripture reference to what I'm saying. But uh, yeah, you know, so that's what helped me a lot in my growth is that is that personal one-on-one relationship. And I'm fortunate enough, it was almost like I was allowed to kind of grow without a lot of attention. It's almost like people give you attention, they get in the way of you know you trying to focus on that that personal one-on-one time, you know, 
why it's some like that spirit. Remember that spirit that kind of, kind of kept following Paul around. These servants of these men are servants of the Most High God. Right. Come and show us way of salvation. Right. You know, it's almost like that. You know, like oh man, this guy he's a minister. You know, da 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 da. You know, it's like you keep hearing that. You know, it's like they they become a problem, a hindrance to your growth, to your personal one on one time because they keep spouting about. You know who you are, or what you're doing, or that, or that. You know what I mean. When you just want, you, you began this journey with with one on one time, so it will continue this journey with one on one time, and you want to end the journey with one on one time too. That makes sense. Because we. We, we see and experience different manifestations of God's goodness in those different settings. There's certain things that we only gonna experience one-on-one with him. But there are certain things we are only gonna experience in, in, in the midst of his people. Right. Mm-hmm. right. So we don't, the good thing is we don't have to choose either or. The Lord wants us to have both. Yeah. And the, the, the more enriched and fulfilling the individual time is, the greater the corporate time is going to be, right? Whether that be in a, in, a, in a group study setting or whether it be in a large congregational church meeting, whatever the case may be. Yeah. Right? Because you, you, you dealing with a lot of folks that have had a lot of intimate time with the Lord. They get together, you sure enough going to be enjoying his presence in that in, in that atmosphere because you were where two or three are gathered together in his name what did he say there he is it is true as a personal little testimony when mom was in the hospital we actually met a sister in there who actually is interested in attending this bible study it was a god setup but however um we just got to mention and stuff to each other. It was like late at night. She was the, the graveyard shift around us and stuff. And we, we stayed up late anyway. And she was in there like, Jesus, yeah, thank you, Jesus. And we were talking about God. I mean, it was just like a blow up of like a God party in that hospital room. It okay, was so uh, cool. This is the same time I heard about this person. And she, she, she got a seat. I'm, I got a seat reserved for her, right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> we got right, so we're waiting for you. Okay. She said she had to work the next couple of weeks after that. But we're going to get like to text her. And we're going to be All together. Right, cool. Yep. All right, you can put her on blast. We're going to talk about it. Did she yep. show up? We definitely want her. She was the one that was excited. Yep. She was like, oh, we couldn't are you kidding? She, said, this she goes, is this Bible study is the way. Newport News, and it's Karis. And that's what I was looking for. And I, we're going like. At all these hundreds of people. We're looking at each other going like. Her in our room. That was amazing. Yes. And she knew she my was friend like, too. It wasn't like there. we were talking about it. It's like, oh, you should come. No, she's going. It was just, it's this Bible stuff. I really want to go to. And blah, blah, blah. She goes, I've been working. Oh, we go there. And we're like, you know. And she goes, and I said, Andrew, why don't She goes, oh, I love him. And she go, and then she's going about the Bible study. It's in Newport News. It's Karis. Everything. And we're like, oh, we go okay. there. She goes, she was like that. She was excited. But we're two or more, you know, wherever you're at. That's right. You know. That's right. All right. Let's go back to where we started from. Did you say um, your name? Matthew 6. <laughs> Matthew 6. When we, when we first opened up the study. Matthew 6. And. I am going to 
saw the first five. Then we go down to 13. We can sing the new American standard. Uh, this is Jesus talking. He says, when you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. Excuse me. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in synagogue. So, you know, basically you, you see, and we went over this, how he just destroys the whole idea of, of doing things to appease men. And prayer is not something we do to, to get praise from men. It's not about all that. Now, somebody listen to your prayer and say, hey, brother, you got a powerful prayer, such and such. Okay, well, you know, receive it, whatever. Cool. But I'm not to, you know, pray in public, chasing that. So I can see, you know, so I can have the, the title of best prayer warrior in, in the church. Yeah. Right? Because if that's my motive, then that, that's all I'm going to get. That's really, that, that's going to be my, my reward right there, is yeah. recognition of men. But look, and now he said, go, in verse 6, he said, go into your room and close your door. Pray to your father who is in secret. And your father will see what is done in secret will reward you. And King James, at least, says, openly will reward you openly. So again, you, you see the picture of intimacy here. Yeah. All right. Yeah. When you close the door, that means you, you it's not for everybody's eyes to see what's going on behind you when that when that door closes. You know, you, you, you was a little kid, your mom and dad closed that door. There was some grown folk stuff going on in there. You ain't supposed to see what's going on in there. Right? It's not for everybody's eyes to see. So the idea of intimacy and oneness with, with the Lord. And when I have that type of attitude, and then and that's when when my when our prayer life is like that, 
He says, He will reward us. What? Openly. <clears throat> and I'm, I'm verse 10 really continues to jump out at me. And he says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we're called ambassadors, then we that is our job to exercise authority. <clears throat> right? And we got that commission. When? I mean, what day you got born again, I guess. Okay. Is that it? I hear when Jesus said it. Okay. It could be said earlier than that. What did he say in Genesis 1.26? Okay. Have dominion. Yeah. That's an old commission right there. He told man to have dominion on earth back in Genesis 1. And now... Here, we see us getting that directive again. But this time, we are exercising the authority that Jesus himself won back for us. That's right, yeah. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So anytime you feel like, you know, your prayers don't matter or it's a waste of time, go back here. Matthew 6. So because the one thing he wanted, the enemy wants us to do is to get us, get us discouraged and keep our mouths closed. Doubting our authority, our identity. So we can be discouraged and be still quiet and not do what the Lord told us. But when you know this, then you can have confidence when you speak to that mountain. But somebody talks to you about their mountain, you can have confidence to speak to their mountain. On their behalf. <clears throat> that was like I did yesterday. Um, my friend who lives at Hopewell, I noticed since I was 16, she asked how I was doing. She always just been asking. She's one of the good friends I have. Um, then I asked how she was. She is Macy went up. I'm going to have two weeks. I'm going, please tell me it's not your home. Because she's in the trailer. She goes, it's the trailer. And she goes, and on top of that, she goes, the heat. It, you know, trailers get really hot. She goes, I'm dealing with, um, and she loves God very much and believes. Well, I talk to her all the time. And she's really a big time believer. Um, she said, my blood pressure is like two something over 100 something. And she said, my doctor's put me on a, a different dosage. And I just, I felt like then I go, it's time, 
I'm going to, to go up against that mountain, and I wrote to her. I text her and told her, we're coming. I didn't tell her, you know, let's ask God. Like, God, please help her. No, it's, we're coming against that in the name of Jesus right now that that blood pressure will come down and stabilize because by his stripes you are healed. And I just, you know, wrote down what I needed to, and I said, I'm exercising, talking to her mountain that way. And she, at the end, she's like, thank you. Amen. So I went after her mountain. That's good. Just in a text or a message, what do you call it? Yeah. I go. It was beautiful. Mom had read it to me. I was like, wow. And I'm, I'm always trying to remind her because she gets around. She has a lot around her. And I'm always trying to help her remember. Because I need, like I told you all before, I've, said, I've been telling people for years how wonderful he is and not realizing but I go, no, it's for everybody else. And just like I said, in the last little while, he's been showing me through all of this. I'm, I'm very emotional now. I'm not the, a woman emotional either. Just I think there's emotions that God's like. You need them to come out in the right way, and they're coming out. But then I'm, I'm trying to keep my focus also in the right way, balanced. Not, let's think about them because they're more important than you. God's going like, no, you are as important as they are. Come against their mountain, but you speak to yours. This morning something happened. I woke up, I was something in my eyes, and immediately, yeah, you know, I'm out of a deep sleep, and I woke up, my eyes are doing something weird, and I, I, it's happened a couple times. I immediately went after it. I go, I can do that. I go, I command you to go. I'm not asking you to go. I'm telling you, you have to go. Thank you, God. This is this is gonna go. It's went before. It's gonna go. It's not gonna come back. And that's what I was doing, going against the mountains. That's good. But realizing that it's okay right. on both the balance, both sides. All right, I'm going to close with this. Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4, 16. I have to tell you what that is. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's what he is our high priest. So when we approach him with childlike faith, we can stay in that place of rest. All right, social media family, thank you once again for joining us. See you next week. Bye.